What up, world? Thanks for listening to the Sac City Podcast. While you're here, do us all a favor and hit that follow button. Then join us every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday for more top-tier NFL content. Welcome to the city. Welcome into another edition of the Sac City Podcast. I am your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by your boy, AJ Johnson. Below him, we have my best friend in the whole entire world. He is Aaron, the Mukes, I am Mukes. And below me, we have the smoothest voice in sports casting, the reigning, the defending, the undisputed heavyweight valedictorian of the show, Dylan Kearns. It is a beautiful July 21st morning here in the city. Episode 56 is about to kick off. We are finally diving back in to some real football. Obviously, we had our fantasy football shows. If you missed any of those, you can go check them out now on our YouTube channel at Sac City Pod. But we are, it is time to dive in to some training camp. We've got some real football underway, gentlemen. We're starting, of course, with the AFC North tonight. But it's 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 our first show of the week. I got to ask, how goes it, uh, AJ? Oh, me? So good. It's a beautiful morning. I'm excited to be here. And uh, finally, it's it's creeping up. Less than 50 days. That That's an exciting thing to hear. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to sit my butt down, crack open a nice brewski and... Uh, Watch some great football coming up here. And I don't know about you guys. I know we you know, we talk pro and whatnot, but I'm also excited for the start of college football. I'll get into that as it goes on and get get you a little uh your little practice in before the pro season starts. So it's around the corner. I know us four and everybody watching are getting hype, more and more hype as the days go on. Oh yeah, absolutely buzzing. We are actually 49 days away from kickoff. Can any of you guys tell me anybody in the NFL with the number 49? So, uh, I don't know if he's still in the league anymore now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Daniel Sorensen, right? Uh, I, I don't have that answer. <laughs> I, I, I had one. I, I had one, and I, I was honestly, I was expecting one Sorensen of you guys to. Sorensen is number 49. Yeah, out of boy. Good shit. Good shit. Any linebacker ever. I looked up, I looked up the best players to ever wear 49, and it gave me all of the uh like all sports. A lot of baseball players, a lot of pitchers and stuff yeah. that are 49. Um, but Jamie the Moyer. one that I Tremaine Edmonds, linebacker for the Bills, uh-huh. was the most notable number 49. They had him as the second best all time person to ever wear 49 which is wild that's 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 thin that's 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 a that's a very small pool of guys yeah exactly (laughs) exactly you know what else is not solid and this is really why i went to aj first here is because we had very sad news involving his atlanta falcons uh in our big morning headlines just two days in eddie goldman retires from the atlanta falcons he says you know what F this shit, I'm out. I can't deal with Mar- Marcus Mariota. I can't deal with the Falcons. I'm out of here. AJ, yeah. are you upset? Is this tragic news? Are you heartbroken? I'm just trying to see where you got this two-day stuff. I mean, he signed with them on the 6th of July. So, I mean, the veterans don't even go to training camp till the 26th. So, I, I don't I don't know where you got that from. But the only sad part for me is it would have been cool to see another one of my Florida State Seminoles go play for the Falcons. But you know, he decided for other reasons he wasn't going to. And even so, I, it, it is what it is. You can look back at Eddie <laughs> Goldman for the last couple of years, and it's not like it's not like he's breaking down the barriers to be this the guy he was when he came into the league. So uh, there, there's Wait, been a whoa, lot. Whoa, of- whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> I can't say Eddie, Gold- Eddie Goldman is only 27, bro. This is not. A, this is not a- this is not, a, this is not a retirement that's like, hey man, he's played 15 seasons. 
<laughs> no, he's not what he once was. Like, what, what are you talking about? Well, if you would have let me finish, you would have heard it. I he was I a never was. He was a never was. I said the conversation around Eddie Goldman over the last couple of years has been he's not what he was when he came in the league. There's been multiple people that said since before when he got his payday, he sat comfy mm-hmm. on his money. Then yeah. the pandemic came out. He sat out when respectfully. That's fine. He yeah. did that. Yeah. And then when he came back in, he didn't go to any camps. He didn't come to training camp. They said he was working it's out in that, California. There was nothing to prove for it. That that is there's nothing but injury after injury after injury. He so retired that is fair. No, no. paper, kind of like Michael Thomas. That is fair. But that's not what you said. Like, it's, you didn't go into all those. You literally too. just, like, oh, like, glossed over the fact that all the right. man's only 27. Order like, in the court. He, order. He's a young guy who got paid <laughs> and then didn't want to work anymore. Like, let's, so let's be real. I'm trying to keep myself together while all I can see on my periphery is you just. <laughs> well, I just wanted to bring up the fact. There it is again. The Atlanta Falcons just ruined people's careers. I was. Yeah. I, 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 I honestly <laughs> only put this. Pace. I only put this headline in. I did not think we would go that far on talking about Eddie Goldman. I just I put it in just for shits and giggies. Too. There is another shits and giggies headline. I really did want to just throw out there and see you guys' thoughts. Do any of you guys give a shit about these Madden ratings? that are coming out obviously in the, in, the, in the football world there are a lot of people that do care about them i care about them i know some of our fans care about them why, wait, wait why do you care about them i mean it's because not like you're any good at madden i'm not mm-hmm. as good as you in madden but I, I i like to play for fun i'm like a, I'm, i just i'm a casual oh, player you know i'm just casual you're player more than but... a casual player you're an active player who sucks you play in very <laughs> story of my life i have an active <laughs> i I actively live my life and I suck. That's kind of how this works. But the Madden ratings were revealed. One of the biggest ones that I've noticed and seen a lot of people talking about is the fact that Miles Garrett got a 99 overall and TJ Watt is a 96, I believe is what it was. Yeah. Does anyone, do you guys, do you guys have any thoughts on that before I get into the actual headlines of the show? I do. I do. Uh, And I'll say it. Miles Garrett's a better football player than TJ Watt. Ding, ding, ding. We, we get so enamored with, oh, he put up these sack numbers and he maybe had the most sacks. You watch Miles Garrett play football, setting the edge, creating quarterback pressures, understanding run concepts and pass concepts. That is an entire football player. It's easy to jump out and look at TJ Watt's stats and what he does. And he's great. Yeah. You're talking yeah. 99 to 96, whatever. Yeah. But you want to well, argue. That's a lot. Type of that's player, a big jump in Madden. You want to yeah. argue the type of player from Miles Garrett to TJ Watt. From a football, pure X's and O's football standpoint, Miles Garrett is an absolute generational talent, uh, a player that lived up to the hype that we just haven't seen at that position all too often. So, um, yes, he should be rated higher, higher than TJ Watt. You can argue 96 versus 98 or 97. Well, what, I, I, well honestly, you, you pretty much you you pretty much kind of explained it though. Right there is the fact that. Uh, Miles Garrett is that generational superstar type of talent, and TJ yeah. Watt, yeah, he's had a, he's had he was obviously defensive player of the year. His numbers are great, but the drop off is that ninety nine to ninety six, and like what AJ was, yeah. I would assume you were going to get into is that drop off ninety nine ninety six. It's it's, it's, my, it's that was my only issue with the TJ Watt. I think I, I think one and two is correct. I I think he could have boasted a ninety seven ninety eight. Uh, you know, we're like that drop off from there is different, but we're talking one and two to move up. But I would argue those weren't the biggest ones. Like, to me, I think it's a bigger one with the wide receivers. I think Jamar Chase had a good argument to be on the bottom half. Um, My biggest one, though, Minka Fitzpatrick not being in the top 10 of the same. He's not even in the 90s. He's like an 89. He's he's, he's 11th overall, and they put him in 89. And I was like, that's not that's not real. You understand how they do those. So there's an algorithm that it takes all of the statistical categories within that player. And it gives it that rating a value. And so when you add up all those values, it pops out, spits out the total number, which is why those are so skewed. Because if you have somebody that is like, and it's weighted, they have like elite pass rush ability, right. but terrible run ability or speed is this and their elusiveness is this. Like it adds all that up and it spits mm-hmm. out a number. And so sometimes those ratings are obviously not so accurate and there's problems with them and it's not perfect I, I, they need uh, to hire one more team and look at this and say where did the algorithm mess up uh computer I, error versus human error and then we can move forward don't I name a mattings rating adjuster if you ain't i real. always 
I always see that and like I'm like, okay, let me look at the top five players and those are the players that matter. And then everyone else after that, Madden doesn't give a shit. They'll just give the same ratings that they've been given for the past few years. I digress. We'll talk video games at another time. There is two bit two pieces of news that we do have to get into just to touch up on before we get into our AFC North training camp preview. Uh, late last night, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers signed tight end Kyle Rudolph to a one-year deal. The former New York Giant uh, signs with Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dylan, what are your thoughts on this move for the Bucs as Aaron sits cross-armed and weird looking over there and and especially the tampa bay buccaneers we've talked about every freaking <laughs> tight end that's possible <laughs> because we loved gronk so much Just I, answer I, said, I said this from the jump but i guess everybody could have because there was a vacancy there they lost oj howard they lose gronk of course they're going to sign a tight end and i thought kyle rudolph would look at best i did like tom brady's quote saying he's not going to get the first read because he went to notre dame i thought that was pretty funny michigan notre dame rivalry there but uh no i think he fits their system pretty well another red zone uh option for him rudolph the red zone reindeer might be catching touchdowns with some cannons firing off in uh, Mr. Tampa Bay. Um, good stuff there. I think it's a good signing. Could be a good could be a good fit. Aaron, I, I will it. give you the, I will give you this to move on from tight ends. I just wanted to talk about that deal just okay, for okay. a moment. The other news that was brought up uh, earlier yesterday, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, Jimmy G has been granted permission to seek a trade. Obviously, there were reports, the rumors going around all <laughs> offseason. <laughs> Oh, you, you sitting back? You sitting back? <laughs> I'm just like, I just did that because you brought up Jimmy G. I'm playing with you. We, we have talked a lot about Jimmy G and then Baker Mayfield and the quarterback carousel that was going on this offseason. But now it is official. The San Francisco 49ers have granted permission to the former the 49ers quarterback to so seek weird, a trade. Dude. He has been cleared to begin practicing. Aaron, where is the best fit for Jimmy G? And will we see him in a different jersey this season? Uh, two things. I want to ask you a question off that first. Um, hadn't he already? Hadn't they already been working to make a trade for him? Like I thought that I was like, reported way back in. I think in April. I feel like the difference here may be like maybe they, they were working lazy. on a trade. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe they were like, okay, let's see if we can make the trade, and then they couldn't find anything, so they're like, all right, Jimmy, go do it yourself. If you find the trade, come back to us, and then we'll make it happen. I think it's odd timing. Um, part of the reason I, I think it's odd timing, or not odd timing, but I think it's appropriate timing because they just came out with a report yesterday saying that he was going to be able to now throw in, in August because of his shoulder. I think that has a lot to do with why he's now had permission to seek a trade because now he can go out and say teams like, hey, I'm good, I can throw. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, what is the best fit? <sighs> right now, I, I mean... Soul, maybe. Um, I don't know that there's a really good fit for him right now. I'm trying to think of a spot. Um, you know what, what might be a good a good fit for him, but I don't know that he would get any kind of starting opportunity there. Uh, New Orleans. Yep. Oh, get traded That's to New Orleans. You know, Jameis still had the, the knee injury. Maybe he's not quite ready, or maybe they give him the opportunity, and maybe he falters a little bit, or just have a good solid backup in a Jimmy Garoppolo with They're solid defense. Uh, they do. I did. They, they did. They did bring in Andy Dalton. But well, Dylan, Dylan, you you brought up pre-show a very good point about a potential landing spot for Jimmy G, and I thought it was a good fit. If you want to go and tell the listeners what you said, I can't remember where I said. I'll be honest. Oh my it, was the, it was the New York Giants. You were like, yeah, if, Daniel J- if Daniel Jones goes down, it's going to be if, that would be a good I, spot I, for no, him. Let me say right here. One thing I said. I don't think he gets moved unless there's an injury in training camp. Uh, preseason and if there was an opportunity in a new york i know they have tyrod taylor there another veteran but i think bringing someone in with the pedigree of jimmy garoppolo he wins games say what you want right i mean that guy will win you football games. he's not going to win you football games but he's a good game manager he can get the job done i think if there's an injury there maybe tennessee if there's something with Tannehill, we've seen a jay cover that makes more sense that i think i think tennessee that makes more sense to me but the giants and brian dable's offense does not make sense He's That's look not at the quarterback happen. he yeah. wants. Big, strong, physical. He just needs someone. But again, don't think know. about the quarterbacks that he got. He went and got Tyrod Taylor because he has a very strong arm. He's he's able to move out of the pocket. That's not Jimmy G's game. I, I don't know that don't the, the Giants that. is the fit. When you bring up Tennessee, I think that's a great spot That's a for, good for Jimmy G. Uh, matter of fact, I probably over. start Jimmy G over Tannehill. 
paying him too much. But you're paying him too much. Yeah, it could never happen. My, my worry, yeah, my worry with Tennessee was how much you'd pay him. And then, I mean, are, you're renting him, really, because are you expecting to sit Malik Willis for the foreseeable future? So, like, in, in that case for me, I don't know if you would make that move. Here's another one that I was just looking at trying to figure out. Because, honestly, for the first time, I don't feel like there's a ton of spots for just a random quarterback to go to. What about Detroit? I mean, everyone's had the questions about Jared Goff, and I know you made the trade, but if if you can get into Jimmy G and Jared Goff isn't that guy this year and you can see that Jimmy G can do it, maybe now your future isn't being spent on a top-notch QB now. Maybe isn't you can Isn't that what they did before, else. though? Isn't that what they've done with – I feel like that's what they've done with, with Jared Goff. Like, it's like, okay, we, we're just prolonging the inevitable of needing to get – I think Jared Goff and Jimmy Garoppolo are the same quarterback. I don't. I think I, Jimmy G would give you more than Jared Goff would in that I'm offense. I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now. Don't disrespect Jared Goff. The Atlanta Falcons and the Seattle Seahawks have really screwed up the NFL with giving Marcus Mariota and and Geno Smith and Geno Jerry Smith Lock, and Like Lock. they're fucking up the whole NFL. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I just don't think Detroit is. I think Detroit's mindset is they spent this year and waited for the quarterback next year. Like I, I don't think it doesn't matter how good Jimmy G goes in there, even if he got there and played. I don't care how good Jared Goff played. Next year, Detroit is going to use that first-round pick to get a quarterback because that's what they're going to see their future as. I, I think that's been their plan all along. I, yeah. I've said it over and over again. I don't think you can win in this league in, with a mediocre guy if you don't have an elite offense, elite guys around a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo and, uh, or a guy like Jared Goff. And I think that's what you're finding Detroit. Detroit's knowing, hey, we've drafted well. We've put some, together some nice pieces, but we're not elite by any means in yeah. these areas. And we're going to need a quarterback that's going to go out and win games. And I think that's what we see them do next year. Jimmy G just unfortunate. He got hurt and he he wasn't able to maybe showcase some of that stuff in the offseason to get teams to kind of buy into that. Um, but I think he's, he's a really good backup. So wherever he does go, I think that's a good guy to have in your locker room as a backup. Uh, but I don't know that he gets a starting. I think he'd be the hey, best backup in the NFL. If Washington's three and one when Wentz coughs, you never know. <laughs> When Wentz coughs, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you, know you made my Siri go that. off, fool. My, uh, hey, you said something. My Siri said, "What's that?" He, she heard that Wentz. She heard like, Wentz. Wentz sucks. <laughs> I was like, Wentz sucks. It's like Wentz, take me out of here, Aaron. Bring the phone over here. I do not want to hear any more of this nonsense of Carson Wentz. Well, speaking of Carson Wentz, AJ. Please tell the beautiful people at home where they can follow us at before we move on. I feel like that's always on. deleted. I feel like that's always deleted. Speaking of course, the win. Take it away, AJ. Uh, all right. Uh, or, on or don't take Christ. it away. You sound like you? shit. I'll do this one. <laughs> you can follow us on Pod on all our socials because AJ sounds like shit. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and the TikTok. And make sure you hit all of those subscribe, follow, share buttons. But you know how we do it here at Stack City. We tell you good morning, Stack City, Wednesday through Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern time, all on these wonderful platforms. Make sure if you want to listen to us, go download the podcast on all podcast platforms. Hashtag GMST. Boom. So, like, was I skipping or something? <laughs> Your audio went like, completely it was weird. like you were in an airplane doing your pitch that play went and aj didn't move that plane took turbulence and aj was still i don't turbulent with my plane rides bro i'm good passengers this ride's getting a little bumpy and aj's just sitting there just smooth hey, AJ oh, jumped in and i just wanted to introduce myself hey if there was ever time you didn't need to let turbulence affect you was when you making that airplane pitch i was focused all right there you oh, go spirit airlines <laughs> yeah hail so to the plane. <laughs> hail to the yeah hey, hey hold right. on. don't don't disrespect spirit airlines i'm flying home on spirit they cheap and they oh. they hey i've been on spirit matter of fact i flew out to you guys on spirit they not bad matter of fact they were better than southwest as far as they landed the plane now that's hilarious much, because my plane could never take off because they just kept canceling my flights and leaving people stranded in the airplanes in, in the airport. So I, mean, I, I guess I don't really know. American did right. that to Dylan. No, so. no. Aaron, yeah. don't don't fly to don't fly American to Sacramento the last week of July. 
literally 365 days later, you're going back to Sacramento, but you picked a different airline. I bet you get there safe. (laughs) 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 Yeah, a lot of airline trouble last year, didn't we? Yeah, this is, this is, this is, I've never had plane trouble. Airline, hairline, everything. Hey, don't jinx yourself. Don't jinx yourself. All right, let's get into it, though. We, it is now time to dive in to the AFC North training camp previews. You know how we do it. If you're new to the show, we're going to go division by division in each episode, break down what to watch out for in every team's training camp. We're starting off with the AFC North. We're kicking it off. We're going straight to the Cincinnati Bengals. Rookies report July 23rd. Veterans report July 26th. Going to Aaron here first. We've talked a lot about Jesse Bates not receiving a long-term deal, although Dylan reported it months ago that he was going to get it because he said it at a bowling alley of some sort. <laughs> he doesn't have a long-term deal. Aaron, what should we be looking at from Daxton oh, Hill this training camp that shows fans that maybe he could do it? Uh, they got to show me he can do it. I, I guess that's, that's what I'm looking for. Show me he can do it. We're, we're talking about a guy who, again, I was not very high on in the draft. Um, I spoke about his size. People wanted to compare him to Tyron Matthew, and I told him Tyron Matthew was a third-round pick. If he can live up to that, then no problem. But his size is going to be an issue when you start talking about being on the back end of the team. I don't know that he fills that Jesse Bates role. I think he's going to be more of that hybrid interior and work down in the box to play some slot guys type role. I think that's kind of where he excels at. And if they allow him that freedom to roam in the secondary, like a Tyron Matthew, I think you're going to get the best version of what, what Hill can be. If they try to just force him to be that traditional, hey, we want you to take Jesse Bates' spot once he's gone, then I think that's where he's going to run into some issues because I don't think that best suits his, his style of play. But he's a guy that has like a bunch of athletic ability. He's super talented, but he has to be able to – be allowed to roam on the back end. He can't be forced to sit on one side like we've seen from a Jesse Bates and just play that side, be physical, go make plays in the secondary. I think he needs to be a little bit more free. So if he does that, if they allow him to get in and work those situations, I think he can grow and and prove to be what AJ thought he could be or what some of the Bengals fans think that he can be. That's what I kind of still think he's going to be. And I think you make a good point with, uh, you know, not being Jesse Bates right off rip. But if he's not, if he's not going to sign that long term, this is the type of season you use to breed and bred him to become something like that. And and I think and another good point that you like, and I kind of noticed and spoke about this, firstly, with like Jabril Peppers back, who didn't really, you know, pan out the way we wanted him to. But a lot of these defensive players are kind of coming like the basketball type of way. And it's becoming like, quote unquote, positionless. Yeah, you may be listed as safety. We talked about we list guys as DB now because maybe they line up on the outside when you like the matchup. Maybe they line up at linebacker when you want to fake a rush. Maybe they are playing safety. You know, they have these abilities, great ball skills, great uh, line skills, all these different abilities to let them be utilized in many different ways. And Dax Hill has been able to show that he can do that. He can play up on the line. He can drop back in the coverage. He's got the ball skills. Uh, so we, we just have to remember and temper ourselves that he's a rookie and it may take him a couple games, but I think he's one of those players you're going to watch continue to develop and continue to get great uh, as the seasons, as the weeks go on and as the seasons go on. You know, you bring up a point there about the versatility, and we started to see that coming to the league years ago, but one of them that really piqued my mind over the last few years was Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson, someone that could play multiple positions and basically get it done everywhere. He's sort of had a rough start to his NFL career. But I like Aaron's point. You can't replace them. Going back to the money ball logic, you can't, you're not going to replace what Jesse Bates brings. The guy's an all-pro safety. He's not, he's not the same player as Jesse Bates, but it, it just allow him to be him. You didn't go into Jesse Bates saying, hey, you got to fill. You got to be out there doing what you need to do. No, you let you let him do his thing. You let him groom into who he's going to be. And that's what the Bengals got to do with Dax Hill. I'm completely on board with that. Just let him play football. Just let him get his playing time out there. Jesse, once he signs his, uh, not his, not his extension, but his tag, he'll be ready to go out there and play football. And then whatever time that Dax Hill has, he'll be out there learning from Jesse Bates. And it could be his heir apparent. I think it's important, too. we we got to remember what Cincinnati did in the offseason. It wasn't like they just said, oh, we're going to get Dax Hill. They signed and went after everybody and drafted everybody. They drafted Tyson Anderson. They got Cam Taylor Britt. They got Dax Hill. They went. In, they got Trey, Trey Flowers in the secondary. They've tried to revamp where they felt they were weakest at, which is what we harped on all last year. As good as they played in some of those games down the stretch, we kept saying the weak spot is the secondary. 
weeks spot as the secondary. And we saw it late in the Super Bowl. Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, they carved them up. And so they went and they addressed where they were weakest at. And it might, I don't know that, and I'm saying this not as the Dax Hill hater, but I don't know that it's Dax Hill that replaces Jesse. That could be Cam Taylor. I think they want Dax Hill to be more of that nickel guy, what Mike Hilton does a little bit. Um, it could be a Tyson Anderson who turns out to be their future safety if they, if they come along. It's going to be about who is showing up in this training camp right? Who is starting to make those plays? You might see something where maybe, maybe it's Dax Hill who starts that third spot or going to be the guy. Next thing you know, it's Cam Taylor Britt who starts week one if Jesse Bates doesn't sign a tag or is it Tyson Anderson or is it somebody else? So um, I wouldn't be so quick to just say it's Dax Hill. I think with the first round pick, I think he's going to get every opportunity to be him. But if another young guy that they got steps up in that role and is more effective, it would not shock me if it's one of them. Is it, is it, is it fair? Educate me here. Von Bell is a, is there other real starting safety that you can almost pencil him in as the day one starter for at the safety position? Could you possibly see him kind of try and fill the Jesse Bates role? Obviously, you guys talk about not being able to fill and replace Jesse Bates because he's all he's he's great. But do you see them leaning on Von Bell? more this coming season if Jesse Bates is to not play and his role be amplified uh, as we get towards uh, closer to the season. Different players. Uh, okay. Jesse Bates is much better in space. Jesse Bates is much, be- much better in the passing game. And there have been times where he's even struggled as he's kind of grown throughout his NFL career. Von Bell is that more in the box, right closer to the line of scrimmage, put him on a safe or put him on a tight end. He can go out and, you know, lock up some tight ends around the line of scrimmage type stuff. He wants to be down. He doesn't want to be out in the open space, you know, having to, to get over the top of guys. So I, I think it would be different. I think that's if, if for whatever reason, Jesse Bates doesn't sign the tag and is not there uh, when we start, I don't think it's about Von Bell filling that void. I think Von Bell is the staple. He's going to do what he does. I think it's going to be about those young guys having to come in and, you know, play more in coverage. And maybe it's a mixture of both of them maybe playing a strong suit. Maybe it's Dax Hill one play and it's Cam Taylor Britt another play, depending on what their strengths are. Because um, like, like Dylan, and you know, like we all kind of stress, you're not going to just replace Jesse Bates with one of these guys until they've gotten some experience. It, 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 could, it could be nice too, to be able to give, give those guys those starting reps during training camp while Jesse Bates is figuring out whether he's going to show up or not. That might be valuable to get those, those first team reps for, for Dax Hill and Cam Taylor Britt. Dylan, go ahead. I wanted to say one more thing on the base front. Laugh at me all you want, but I'm just saying, like, I seriously think the guy's going to be there by week one. I think he's going to play football this year, no doubt about it, because laugh all you want. Go ahead. Start chuckling. Put it on Snappy Chat. Yeah. Snapchat story. He's watching the Home Run Derby, tablet on the bottom left of game film, and he's got a cocktail in in hand. He was ready. Like, the fact that he's watching film. Dylan, that's an NFL player is expected expected to do he is not right. going to not, not going to be so there not ready. why is he even no, no, bothered to watch film no, no 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 because you have to be ready whenever that happens yeah they could call him tomorrow with the offer that he wants that the problem you're going to run into is jesse bates to my knowledge and, and i may be wrong about this his contract he is a he is not signed at all right now and he did not sign his franchise tender which means he can miss all of camp and not be fine that is huge he doesn't yeah, have to show up to anything deal. and not be fine, which means he has leverage right now in not being there. But the longer he's not there, the more opportunity at Dax Hill, at Camp Taylor Britt is yeah. going to get. And if Cincinnati sees that they have something in them, you can damn sure believe they can say, you know what? We don't have to cave in and pay this guy. Wow. Now, if all those guys turn out to be bust, <laughs> then you're like, yeah, we got, we better up uh, the offer and get this guy in. <laughs> We've seen this before, and I know it's old school, the Dallas Cowboys did this to Emmett Smith. Emmett Smith held out. He missed the first two games of the year. They could not run the football. They were 0-2. Jerry Jones said, oh, shit. Yeah, Emmett, write your ticket. <laughs> paid, him, paid him his money, and we didn't. they didn't lose a game the rest of the year. Like that, Those are the kind of situations you run into, and these owners will do it until they realize he needs this guy. So Jesse Bates has some leverage right now because he's not signed and he's not in the top. Any shot he's traded. No, because the safety market would require too much. And at this point, most teams don't have the cap space at this time of the year to do that or willing to do that. Um, I, I don't I don't think he's I don't think he's I think he either stays in Cincinnati and he bites the bullet and signs the tender to play eventually, or Cincinnati caves and pays him. 
Next time we talk about the Bengals, Dylan will have reports from the local gym that uh, Jesse Bates plays basketball at, and he'll be able to give us the next report. Uh, AJ, you are your next on one last talking point about the Cincinnati Bengals. It's their defensive line. We're going to stay on the defensive side of the ball. They chose not to bring back Larry Ogunjobi. He had the whole Chicago Bears thing, and then he didn't get signed by them. They had a second chance to sign him, and they still said no. They passed up on that. Who should we be focusing on with the Bengals interior defensive line and what will their impact be this season? Man, I guess all that money they spent on that back half really bit them in the ass in the front half. But uh, <laughs> uh, to, to answer your question directly, my, my first choice would be BJ Hill. Uh, but in all honesty, it, it's going to come from the guys on the edge making space for these guys to work to put to set the edge and push them back because BJ Hill, while he's serviceable, he's not one of those guys that kind of pops off the film at you. I mean, he's still talented, you know, averaging about five sacks last season. Um, but you need these guys. You need, I talked about the Bengals last year a lot, and the word I always used was they were a good unit. You know, when the back half wasn't working, the front half was getting after it. When the front half wasn't working, the back half was op- opportunistic. It's going to be a lot of that again, in my opinion. And on the defensive line, with the Joseph Asai and a Trey Henderson, if they're setting the edge correctly, if they're pushing these guys back towards it, and a B.J. Hill can be that big body to stuff it up, uh, that's what you're going to look for. D.J. Reader, uh, he's going to be there, but I don't think he's one of – I think you'll see his – his position get rotated a little bit more and see some of these young guys like the Chris Carter's they signed get an opportunity. Uh, DJ Reader's okay. Uh, you know, he's consistently going to get you two sacks a season. Uh, you know, that's where he's sitting about the last three of the uh, three of the last four seasons. But I think BJ Hill's a guy that you're hoping can step up and, you know, maybe get that up to that seven sack where Larry was and a couple more quarterback hits this year. If he can get a double digit quarterback hits, you may not feel the loss of a, Lario good uh Alario as much as uh as you would think they would at this point in time. And that was a hell of a trade last year by the Giants and the Bengals, right before the season started. I mean, BJ yeah. Hill had a great season last year. Like it was just he, he was buried on the depth chart because uh Mr. Gettleman fapped a D tackles when he was running his tenure in in uh in New York. I mean, that guy drafted one every year, but BJ Hill was buried <laughs> on their depth chart, goes over to Cincinnati, has a very yeah. productive first year in Cincinnati. I like your take there with BJ Hill stepping in. I think the depth is the biggest key. Yeah. They, 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 they've honestly, they, they, right now they lack depth. And the amount of snaps that Trey Henriksen played last year um, worries me. Um, it's not normal, and he's not really used to that. And then you come back this year, and like, I just don't see the depth there. I worry about once you get those first four out of there, the Hubbards, the Readers, Hills, and Henriksons, how far do you go into that, that defensive line? And usually the teams with good depth on the defensive line are a lot, you know, outperforming those without, especially when you're talking about getting a pass rush late in games when the first guys to tire out are usually those interior defensive linemen. So I worry about the depth on the defensive line, losing an Ogan Joby there. I thought that would was big for them to, you know, try to bring him back. But yeah. they'll be good. They did address, I feel like, their weakness. They'll be solid. Uh, but it's, it, it's going to be tough with the lack of depth that they have on the offense. Yeah. Boom. Well done. Bengals fans would be happy with what we just said about them. For, we're starting off the year, the new year right, Bengals fans. So please let us know in the comments what you think of uh, our thoughts on the Bengals training camp uh, preview. We're going to now move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers and Dylan. They obviously went out and traded for, they, they ended up bringing in former Jacksonville Jaguar linebacker, Miles Jack. They also have Devin Bush, who they traded up for, unlike what the Pittsburgh Steelers normally do in the first round. They traded up to get Devin Bush. Injuries have hurt him along the way. They did not exercise the fifth-year option for him. What should we be expecting this year for Devin Bush? I mean, you you mentioned it right there. He's in a contract year, right? And this was a guy last year who was just, I mean, let's be honest. He was bad. Um, He was really bad last year coming off the ACL injury. The, the thing that he needs, uh, the thing that Devin Bush needs on that defense, he needs linemen to eat blockers so he can make a play. He Right now, what shows me about Devin Bush, he doesn't want to make tackles. He doesn't want to engage in physical contact. And that's, that's something you don't want out of your middle linebacker. And I think the loss of Vince Williams last year really, really hurt uh, Devin Bush and his progression. Because, I mean, he was year two and in 2020, he ended up tearing his ACL. He comes back last year and he still needed that voice that needed that linebacker next to him. They brought in Joe Schobert, another former Jag right before training camp, but uh, or right before the regular season started, wasn't really working with those two together. And he just, 
he had a bad year last year. He, he lacked aggressiveness. I thought he was a little bit questionable in his decision makings. I thought the loss of Vince Williams hurt. I love the addition of Miles Jack to that defense being alongside of him. They play a three, four defense. Those two in the middle could be very, very lethal because even Miles Jack needed another one. You mentioned when the Jags were rolling together when they did their thing. Miles Jack was a, was also on that defense, but it, remember it was Paul Pozlesny in the middle. So those two are yeah. sort of two little things going on there. And once once Pozlesny left, Jack struggled. So two going on there. I love Brian well, Flores. Was, I, I think Brian it, Flores can really help this defense a lot too, and maybe progress him over the top. Jacks and not to get into the, uh, a big Jaguars thing. Jacks Jacks struggles came really after Kelvin Smith left. And they really had to lean on Miles Jack to be that guy. And I think it's an interesting connection between two guys, Devin Bush and Miles Jack, two guys who maybe have a reputation of not being able to be the guy, the lead linebacker uh, on that defense. And now that them both being together also now with new linebackers, coach Brian Flores, who obviously was the Miami Dolphins that could be bringing big change and a big boost to the linebacking group in Pittsburgh. It, it could. And I, I wanted to say one more thing here on Devin Bush. I mean, he, he needed to, it seems like, I know I mentioned he doesn't, doesn't want to make tackles, doesn't want to be aggressive. I think that really affected him. But last year he was coming off the ACL. He battled a groin. He was on the COVID list. There were still little things he was dealing with last year. I think the original question was, what do you expect from him this year? I think he's going to be pissed off, ready to try to get back to his 2019 self. Cause he's not, he's not getting paid after this year. If he fizzles out and has a Jalen Smith, He's, a, he's out of luck. He's got to play hard football, and he's only 24 years old. He just had a birthday two days ago. Happy birthday, if you want to wish him that. But um, I, I think he, he's a good football player. He's a good kid, and hopefully he can get his career back on track because I, I don't see a long tenure in, in, in Pittsburgh beyond this year. Wow. I mean, I think that's. I think you're being a little harsh, first of all. Um, I, I think you're talking about a guy that is a year removed from an, an injury, a severe injury at that, and sometimes – this, I know we get so enamored with these guys that come back from these injuries so quick and they're ready to go. Most of these injuries, Achilles, ACLs, you're usually not the same player the year after. Usually it takes you till that year two to really get back to the form. Uh, we're talking about a guy that was we all thought was elite, right, coming out of college and the way he played initially. I, I don't think that's changed. I think maybe there was a little bit of timidness what we saw last year, which is part of the problem, right? Maybe you're unsure. Maybe you're not attacking as aggressively as you were doing before. Um, to the point about Miles Jack and like him, and I, I think a lot of that is just being in the right scheme and the right fit. We talked about how when you take an, a guy who likes to run freely, clean, be able to just to get the ball carriers and not take on these 300-pound linemen, then have to adjust and then take on that role of getting and shedding those blockers, that's an adjustment that has to change. And that's something we saw that Devin Bush was not able to do last year. And maybe it was more about how Pittsburgh put him in those situations. Now you're in a situation where maybe he has to take those blocks on again this year because you have Miles Jack on the weak side that's going to be making those plays. But I think having a year to be able to feel that and see that and understand what you need to do to, to make those adjustments, I think you see a better version of him. Um, if maybe he doesn't fit in what Pittsburgh's trying to do going forward, you might be right about that. But I don't want to just write off his career and like say get his career right after one bad season after being injured like you know i i still think the talent level's there but that tim being timid after an injury is a real thing and for these guys that have suffered a knee injury like that um it's so severe they're not they don't trust that knee and you have to actually play for a season like he did last year to say you know what i can do what i used to do uh, and maybe that confidence is back this year. you at least hope it's back. to your point on the uh, like last year i think the main point was he was coming off an acl in the offseason, he was progressing just to be healthy for the season. Now that he's coming back, he's like, okay, I just played a full season. Now I can progress and get ready for an NFL season instead of, all right, I need to rehab, need to rehab to get back. I'm ready to go play football. I'm in a contract year, damn it. I'm ready to win football games and make money and make tackles. So hopefully that's the attitude he takes. Yeah, and the rehab portion is big, right? You spend that first yeah. offseason rehabbing. That, this offseason, it was, I'm not rehabbing. I'm working now. I'm doing what I normally do to get ready for a season. And I think that's a and again, like I said before, I like Brian Flores being their linebackers coach. That's yeah. huge. That's huge. I think in, in, in the growth of anybody, whether it be Devin Bush, Miles Jack, or whoever they else, whoever else they have uh, in their linebacker group that needs growth, Brian Flores can bring that. On the offensive side of the ball, they obviously drafted Kenny Baby Hands Pickett to be their quarterback. Hopefully, maybe of the future. But they also went out and signed 
Mitch Trubisky. Now, earlier on in the offseason, there are those ridiculous reports saying that so-and-so is the lead guy, the lead quarterback right now, and that report meant nothing. Now we start entering training camp, and the quarterback battle starts to really take place. So, Aaron, tell the people at home what people what they really need to look out for within this quarterback battle and how they can determine who's actually going to be the guy on week one for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I think when you talk about determining who's going to be the guy, it's like, don't go crazy. Go with what we always see. Mitch Trubisky is a veteran. Mitch Trubisky has won football games in the NFL. Mitch Trubisky has read NFL defenses. And Kenny Pickett wasn't some top five pick that they're forced to throw in there. Mitch Trubisky is the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Come week one, barring some just crazy preseason or injury from, uh, you know, from Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett having some crazy preseason. Mitch Trubisky is a guy who's mobile, which fits today's NFL. He's shown that he's been, he's had flash at times where he can be effective. It's really about putting him in the right situation. And let's be honest, we've all lamented the fact that none of us trusted Matt Nagy. So anything that's happened with Matt Nagy, I am going to um, I'm going to throw out throw out the window. Um, it, it's just not something that I'm comfortable saying. Hey, this is a guy that has groomed quarterbacks to my liking. So um, I, I think right now it's hands down easily Mitch Trubisky. I think it's his job to lose. I think what Pittsburgh is going to be looking for is Kenny Pickett taking those strides throughout training camp, getting better and better, and then deciding whatever the performance level of Mitch Trubisky is is when is the right time to go to Kenny Pickett. If Mitch Trubisky is treading water up and down, winning and losing, there's going to come a point in time where they're going to look and say, you know what? Okay, now Kenny Pickett's team, that's our future. But if Trubisky goes out and is playing well and is winning football games with a team that I think we all feel has talent around him, Kenny Pickett will sit on the sidelines until they feel like he's ready to go in. And and I think that's the appropriate way to handle this. I don't think they have to be in a rush to do it. Because again, Kenny Pickett was not pick number five. Yep. Yeah. I think you're in another good situation too, where you kind of have similar quarterbacks here, strong arm guys who are both mobile enough to get out of the pocket, move around in the pocket. So you get the, the opportunity, not having the backup who's just talking you through what you should be doing. He's actually going out there and doing it and being able to come back to the sidelines, explain what he actually saw in the play that he just went through, explain the opportunity that he has, what he can move through. So you, you have that, that blessing. And if, and you're right, if, if he doesn't do it well, well, at least he's, he's got whatever nuggets he needed to and then Kenny Pick can go out there from what he's learned as well as his just God-given talent instincts and ability and and do the best he can so I I liken it to a situation like Lamar Jackson coming in from Joe Flacco not saying they're the same player just if you get to that point where you're talking about hey we just need a spark we need to see if we can rip off four or five six games and maybe backdoor into the playoffs again maybe Kenny Pickett gives us that chance if not, Mitch Trubisky wasn't either way. So uh, I think they're in a good situation. And unless Kenny Pickett immediately shows that he's the guy, I do believe Mitch Trubisky should be uh, the starting quarterback to begin the season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. At Acura Shore Stadium, it's gross. It's <laughs> yeah, that's a, that, that's a tough one. I, I'm not even going to get into, into that nonsense. <laughs> but let's let's be real here. P- as fans, if you're watching this video and you're a big Pittsburgh Steelers fans, be patient with this process. Like Aaron, I believe that's what you started off with. Be patient with this process. If it's Trubisky's week one and they start to struggle through three weeks, be patient. The baby hands are on the way, okay? Let's move on now. <laughs> baby, to... Clown shoes, bro. <laughs> the baby hands are on the way. I mean, they're on the way. That's you said it... everything right, the patience aspect, and then you said baby hands are on the way. Like, hey, I mean, you're, not giving not... Them much, you're not giving them much to look forward to. The fact is, is they... Most fans hey, are getting excited. Baby hands are, hey, baby hands are adorable. <laughs> no, okay? but what I'm saying, the most fans are excited <laughs> to have Kenny Pickett. And then you're throwing out baby hands every two seconds. Well, what, so, they, really should be ex- what they really should be excited for is Canadian-born wide receiver Chase Claypool. If, yeah. you, miss the, if you missed that Maple, joke, go Maple check Maple out Tron. our Fun Games Friday episode <laughs> from last week. All right, let's, let's move on <laughs> to the Cleveland Browns here. And they were uh, the talk, really, of the offseason when they acquired Deshaun Watson. Now, what? Wow. 
He said, I don't wow. got no question in this segment, so I'm leaving. Wow. <laughs> hey, I can't wait to see it on the 7 p.m. news. And he just walks off. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my what God. A that, it would have been funny. That. It would have been funnier if he did actually leave and say, "I don't have anything in this segment. I have to leave." But instead, he does Dylan's that. Gonna, Dylan's gonna walk off the set <laughs> on, on, on a seven o'clock sportscast. Be like, guys, I gotta go get a jersey. <laughs> gotta get my Maple Tron jersey for this segment. Oh, Got the props, guys. Screw the neutral face. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get into this Cleveland Browns talk. This is what we need to be on task and on track to do. Brought into Sean Watson. We don't know his status of, of whether he starts week one, whether he starts week six, whether he starts week 20, whatever it may be. We don't know. I've seen in the past three weeks, it go from six to eight to indefinitely back to six, back to eight, back to indefinitely. We're playing a game of musical suspensions here until then, until we know that Jacoby Brissett may be the quarterback for this team at some point during the season. How do the Cleveland Browns need to handle the quarterback position during training camp with the Watson suspension looming? AJ. <laughs> Quite possibly an uh, unpopular opinion, but the other thing that you've seen within the last week at this point is Deshaun Watson his camp come out and say if he gets anything longer than six weeks, they're probably going to sue the NFL and push this thing off anyways. So if I'm the Cleveland Browns, until there's a moment where the suspension is there, I'm probably letting him take the majority of the snaps, but I'm not fading Jacoby Brissett. Uh, I, I need to know that Deshaun Watson, if he's going to be there because he's pushing this thing off, like we saw with the flake gate, like we saw with the, if you want to go all the way back to Roethlisberger and the way that went down, uh, that that's what I would do. If we're in training camp and he's there and he's able to go and that suspension hasn't been given, I'm taking Deshaun Watson and I'm giving him the majority of the snaps. Once Jacoby Brissett's all go, well, then we'll we'll, we'll, we'll uh, attack that at that point in time. But if I'm the Cleveland Browns, I brought Deshaun Watson in. He's going to be my QB of the future at some point. Uh, I would I would work that way. I don't I don't love that idea. Um, I get the premise behind it, and I can I, I get it. Um, I don't love the idea of giving Deshaun Watson the first two reps. Um, there is zero doubt in my mind. Sean Watson's getting suspended for the season. They can sue all they want. Sue's not going to stop the suspension. He's not going to put the suspension on hold. He's just all it's going to do is about be about recouping money. Um, can't they can suspend him eight games and then Cleveland files a lawsuit or and says, oh no, he should be able to play. It's not going to change the suspension until that court case is heard. Um, he's going to serve a suspension. Same way Tom Brady served a suspension. Uh, I think you go into it with the mindset of Sean Watson's going to miss time. They should be splitting the first team reps. And I'm telling you, I'll be honest. Maybe it's not even Jacoby Brissett. Reports today said they're interested in Cam Newton. And um, that Cam Newton might be, yeah, that Cam Newton might be in play if once that Deshaun Watson suspension is actually given out. And maybe even before that, if they feel like they have good clarity on it going to happen, they could sign Cam Newton. And I'll tell you this, as bad as Cam Newton's been, Cam Newton will beat out Jacoby Brissett for that job. Yeah. Because he's physically yeah. different. And there's different things you can do with him. Um, but that being said, I just, I never liked the idea. Deshaun Watson, to me, he hasn't played football in a year, and I get that. I'm not worried about him getting first team reps necessarily. Like, I think he'll figure it out. I need really? Jacoby yeah. Percet. I can give you. I need oh. Jacoby Percet to get reps because if you're Cleveland, you're thinking about this. We have a Super Bowl caliber roster in your mind. That's what they think. We have a Super Bowl caliber roster with Deshaun Watson on the field. We can't afford to be 1-7 with Jacoby Percet. We need to be 4-3, and 3-4, three, three and four, somewhere where if Deshaun Watson comes in, he can make a difference and carry us the rest of the way. We, we can't fall so far behind that we feel like we have no shot at the playoffs. I don't think you can just give Deshaun Watson all the reps and say, Jacoby Percet, if he gets suspended, then, if it, then we'll bring you in. I think that, that would be bad. I think you need to split those reps with whoever they think is going to be in place of a Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett started five games last year. Deshaun Watson started zero. I don't care. Deshaun Watson is an elite talent, won a national championship, an MVP yeah, I, talent, a, a, a generational yeah, well, talent. Jacoby Brissett is Jacoby Brissett. 
They're both learning the offense at the same time. I, I think I don't you care. Know, the skill about, level between Jacoby Brissett and Deshaun Watson is here. Like you can't even see it. That's how well, big of a difference. The, it. What about the fact that the, the that maybe a new offensive system being brought in here to Cleveland with Deshaun Watson now being at at the quarterback position? You want to be able to not a new offense. Are they not? You don't think that this offense is going to change at all? You think this I, I is going to be the same Baker Mayfield type led offense? It's, really? it's not a new no, system. The playbook expands. The, the, you just throw the ball more, right? You, you you're comfortable throwing the ball. It's not a new system. Okay, so Kevin it's okay. He's going to run his offense. That, I, He's just going to incorporate things for a Deshaun Watson. Jacoby percent is Jacoby percent. I'm not saying he's bad, but that is a guy learning a new playbook is going to need those reps more so than I'm worried about Deshaun Watson learning some playbook and, and, and getting reps. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't care how long he's been out of the game. Deshaun Watson is just a superior talent. It'd be like if Tom Brady had missed a year and Tom Brady came back and you guys would be like, oh, he needs all the first. Like, no, he doesn't. He's, he's done this for a while. He's been playing football a long time and he's been really good at it. So I, I'm not saying he's Brady. I used an extreme example. What I'm saying is Deshaun Watson – is mentally, he's one of the smartest yeah. quarterbacks in the NFL. From a football IQ standpoint, Deshaun Watson is ex- – it's not like you have a guy that's not going to be able to adjust to the mental side of the game. Physically, yeah. he's going to have to obviously get back into his – in shape and all that stuff and be football ready. But from a mental standpoint, Jacoby Brissett is far more behind the curve in the NFL realm of football than Deshaun Watson. So I want him to be ready because I worry – that if you go one and seven, you are now wasting the first season of Deshaun Watson coming in week nine. Like, it's cool, but you're not getting anything out of that. Cleveland needs to win now. They've set this roster up to win the next three years. Like, that's their window. So I don't know that you can fall behind, and I think that's what I would be worried about if Jacoby Brissett doesn't get Quickly, because I know we got to move on here, and I'm just – I'm seriously asking because I was under the impression that the entire point of – suing the NFL along with the NFLPA is to get something like with Tom Brady, where it's basically pushed an entire year before that suspension is even served. So that can be a likelihood of this situation. Can it not? Yes. The, the, the suing would have to take place before the actual suspension is handed down. Uh, Tom Brady did not sue the NFL. Once they suspended him four games, they, when, when he got word that he was going to be suspended for whatever, like he was going to be suspended. He filed a suit against them. They yeah. had never announced it was going to be four games until after the suit had played out. That's the difference. So if, like right now, if Deshaun Watson's had discussions with the NFL and they've said, hey, we're going to suspend you eight games, and they don't agree with that, before that is even made like, hey, we suspended you eight games, Deshaun Watson would then have to file suit and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. And technically, yes, he could play at that point if the suspension is actually never handed down. But if they hand that suspension down and then he appeals it and files a lawsuit, he's, that's usually in the NFL, at least the precedence has been set, that is usually about a money recoup. And in this case, I don't know why Deshaun Watson would do that since yeah. money is guaranteed anyways. Yeah. I, I don't know how that comes into play. So um, I doubt, I'm going to be honest, I doubt that if he gets an eight-game suspension. But I think he, he takes that, he eats that, no, and he goes it, with it. Yeah. If, Wow. Is, is there a chance the news breaks that Deshaun Watson sues the NFL before we see his game suspension? And if that's the case, are you like, holy shit, well, then, what's then, about to happen? If you get that news, I think then what you what my first instinct would be is the NFL suspended him. That's what I would yeah. feel like. Yeah. Because then then you're going to run into a situation where if I'm suspended for a year, yeah, I'm going to fight. I'm going to do yeah. whatever I can to fight that off. But eight games, I think he's going to look at his, his guys and be like, look, let's just yeah. get and come back, let it all behind us and move forward with that would that's what I would that that'd be the smartest thing yeah so I, I know the public reports they were the the big wigs they were using a year but there was other there were other threads that were talking about hearing eight games at the most or something of that nature I believe you talk about the football IQ I also think he's just a generally smart guy I think eight games and forgive me but I think you would look at that with this situation as kind of a slap on the wrist and would move on would move forward so yeah, there's one other topic within the Cleveland Browns that doesn't have to do with Sean Watson or even Jacoby Brissett. It's at the wide receiver position. And Aaron, we obviously know Amari Cooper was traded from the Dallas Cowboys to the Cleveland Browns. He is wide receiver one in Cleveland. They no longer have Jarvis Landry. Who is next in line 
to be the wide receiver two in Cleveland. What are you looking out for? Yeah, I, what I, I think that what's most intriguing, and I, I don't know who the number two is, to be honest, but I'll tell you why I wanted to bring this up um, this episode. is I think it's really intriguing who that number two is. We saw kind of a, an emergence of a Donovan Peoples-Jones last year, started to play a little bit better as the season went on, and this was with Baker Mayfield being hurt. But I really, really, really like David Bell. Um, I've liked him for a number of years coming out of Purdue. I, I think this is the guy – I don't want to say he's similar to Amari Cooper. He's not on Amari Cooper's level by any means. But I think he's a guy that works the middle of the field. He's going to get open. He creates a little bit of separation. He's physical. He knows how to get at the top of his routes and get in and out of breaks. I think he could be a safety blanket for guys. And I think with him and Amari Cooper being those safety blankets, I think then you get the big plays of a Donovan Peoples-Jones who stretched the field. So maybe at the end of the year, David Bell has a better year, but the more impactful uh, plays come from a, a Donovan Peoples-Jones being long touchdowns and things like that. So I really like that. Um, and then I want to throw out a sleeper name. A lot of people don't really talk about, and he's been in the league for a couple of years now, it's Anthony Schwartz. And he's a playmaking type receiver. I think he's going to get a little bit more opportunity this year. I don't think guys like Jakeem Grant, and any of those, you know, Javon Wims are going to kind of get into the mix there. So I think Schwartz is that fourth guy that him, David Bell and Donovan Peoples-Jones are going to kind of, Find, have to find their footing. He could come in and make some big plays as well. But I think the biggest battle in training camp is David Bell and Donovan. Well done. Well done. Well done. Way to wrap that Cleveland Browns up. Just like a All bad right. steak. What? Just like a bad steak. Yeah. Well, I mean, some people like well done steaks, but I digress. It's like eating a tire. It's a monster. Hey, some people like Michelin. Eat yourself. Michelin. Um, good, good year. Hey, can I get my good year? Media player. All right, let's end it on this. The Baltimore Ravens, their training camp. What should we be, Dylan? Just do it. Just let's 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 get it. Let's get it over with here. What should we be looking at with the wide receiver position in Baltimore during camp? <laughs> do they even have a group? I mean, I mean, obviously you look at Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman's an absolute beast. I think he has a great year this year. I mean, he, he came in last year, started the year hurt. Vinny has been just loving him. He loves Rashad Bateman. If you're new to I the show, I do enjoy some Rashad Bateman. He loves Bateman. He he Bateman. Um, so you look at this team, and, and I mean, he's the only weapon there, right? You look at the rest of the roster. You lose Hollywood Brown. That's twenty. He had twenty-one touchdowns in three seasons. Say what you want. That's still some production you're losing. Outside of that, they're lacking experience. They're lacking proven production. They're lacking depth. Outside of Rashad Bateman, they got a bunch of make-a-wish kids and kick returners running around making magic happen. You look at their roster. You think I'm bullshitting? Bullshit. Make-a-wish kid. You think I'm bullshitting? Look at their roster. He Devin had Devin. Duvernay. He had Devin Duvernay in the Hall of Fame. He has Devin Duvernay James in the Hall of Fame and the Patriots. Kai Polk, Jalen Moore, Tylen Wallace. And then they got everybody that are undrafted free agents this year. They did not draft one wide receiver. They did not make one move in free agency. And they're completely screwed if Rashad Bateman were to go down. Now I can get this off my chest. Relax. There are guys I kind of like in here. If I'm taking dart throws, bear with me because everybody in that room sucks. So I'm looking at this roster. And there's a couple undrafted free agent names I like. Slade Bolden at Alabama. Productive in college. Nice little piece. Played in, a, in the SEC. A nice little nice little uh, piece on that Alabama team that's won some games. He knows what he's doing. I think he's okay. But Kai Polk, 105 catches at Mississippi State. That's a pretty productive year. He was a sophomore last year. He's slow as hell, Vinny. On this offense, he, he's a 4.6 40 time. Um, he's he, he said 4.6. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, there's there. I mean, there are some pieces on this team. Maybe James Prochet takes a step, but outside of that, the rest of that roster. I talk about the lack of experience. Game started in that wide receiver room out of the top four on their depth chart. Rashad Bateman four, Duvernay ten, Prochet zero, Tylen Wallace one. The rest of them have zero games started. That's 15 games started across a wide receiver room of 10 guys. Good luck. I'll say this really quick about the wide receivers. I think Tylen Wallace is actually a dart, is my dart throw. I think he's a sleeper. I think uh, Harbaugh talked about him in the offseason making strides into year two. Receiver is a hard position to transition from, even though we see guys 
Justin Jefferson is there with Jamar Chase to do it. Um, I, I'm this is off topic, not off topic, still Baltimore wide receivers, but I have to go to Vinny here. Vinny, you know how we talked about Rashad Bateman. I loved Rashad Bateman last year. Um, I loved him coming out of Minnesota. My love for Rashad Bateman has went from like way up here to almost the level of he who not shall not be named. Um, I will still say his name, but I am highly upset with Rashad Bateman. And this has absolutely nothing to do with his football acumen, his ability on the field. Um, this has everything to do with he is from Tiff County. And for those of you that don't know where Tiff County is, oh. <laughs> it's an area, it's an area that I cover, okay? I cover Tiff County in Georgia with my where I work. And uh we had a camp and he was supposed to be there. And he and he stood us up, okay? He stood us up. I'll be honest. We, we went out there. We were hoping to get interviews with them. We been texting with the guy. And all of a sudden, Bateman got too busy. He's not going to make it. So we didn't get the interview. So I'm a little upset because we. I was excited, you know, Rashad Bateman, somebody we root for. So I'm a little perturbed with Rashad Bateman. I hope he comes back to Tiff County perturbed. and makes up for me. Perturbed. Perturbed. Can you spell that one? What did I say? Is that a verb? He said it right. He's trying to. He's trying to understand it for himself. Perturbed. Yeah, that's a big word. But how do you spell that? Perturbed. P. Can you say it first? Perturbed. I can't. Say, I, I no. You're the one who has to say. It. I don't know. I, I've never heard the word before. Perturbed. Is that brother perturbed. P e r t u r b e d. Perturbed. Wait. Feeling, wait, feeling concerned or unsettled. P e t. P e r t u r e d. Okay. Perturbed. Text it to me later. So we can. It's like feeling anxious or a little unsettled. Like I'm. I don't like that feeling because I want to root for him, but the fact that he's from Tiff County and I, we've been covering it and he stood me up is uh, not okay. So uh, again, way off topic, but to Dylan's point, everything he said was very accurate, but we got to remember Baltimore's offense. And at the end of the day, Baltimore's offense is tight ends. We'll have a guy on the outside. We'll use him when we need to. We're going to run the football. Lamar Jackson's going to make plays and Mark Andrews is going to go across the middle. That's our offense. We're sticking. to it. One more quick point here. Um, now, we, we've seen this before in the NFL where there's no weapons, right? The, the Green Bay Packers a few years ago, before they brought in Randall Cobb, it was Lazard, it was Equinemius St. Brown, it was Valdez Scantling, it was uh, Geronimo Allison. They had a bunch of unproven wide receivers, and they found a way to make it work. Now, hopefully that's the same case for this Baltimore group, um, but still, I still think they add a veteran, no matter who it is. They need to add someone to that room that can at least have experience. They won't. That's right. That's what I because they don't use the wide receiver too. Yeah, it's, it, even before it was Hollywood Brown, it was just Hollywood Brown and everybody that's, else. So Sammy, that's why. Really that's why pulling the curtain back here. I'm just gonna rip the curtain down here. I posted the doc earlier this more this afternoon. Dylan texts me his information and stuff. He's like, I want a graphic for this, and he tells me what, what route he was gonna take and saying they need, they need to sign a wide receiver. I'm like. That's not my question that I'm asking here. There's no chance in hell that the Baltimore Ravens <laughs> are actually going to be bringing in any type of wide receiver that's Who? going to be. The- Who, Dylan? Who are they bringing in that's going to be any better than what they got? They're going to bring in a, a veteran wide receiver. Who? Who? Someone in the slot. Who? Is, is Jamison Crowder still available? Who? I don't know. I don't know the list of wide receiver free agents still available. But I don't think fits them. I don't think Who? Antonio Brown fits them. Who? But I, I do think there's someone. That's a veteran that could fit their system. Ooh. See, <laughs> off my ass. I got so while you back. guys are while you guys are playing, looking it up here, I I'll finish my point here that I wanted to get into who the wide receiver is that's going to step up for Baltimore Ravens fans to be able to look out for during training camp. Aaron gave me somebody in in Tylen Wallace who could possibly be the guy who steps up in the absence of of Hollywood Brown. Obviously, Mine's Rashad okay. Bateman could be the one. Who'd you say? Uh, James Prochet was mine. James Prochet was yours after we went around the the goddamn roundabout for for these wide receivers. <laughs> Sorry. So, let, so let, let me let me I, I want to do this because I, I think this is important. I, I want to give this my chance. To this is my favorite game. Um, so these are the free agents available. Just some off the list: Julio Jones, Will Fuller, T.Y. Hill. Yep. Oh, oh, yep. Who? I, I like Will Fuller. Deep threat. Man never plays football. <laughs> he doesn't play football, so, but he, so, Sean Watson going to play more so, football so games. I him. guess this is my question. I was looking at earlier. Today. <laughs> I guess this is my question: Is you Will Fuller still not signed? Which is disturbing. He's coming off injury. Um, does that make that room better? It gives them an element that they don't have, which is a deep threat. 
Really? Yeah. What is Tylen Wallace? Tylen Wallace is unproven. You just said a deep threat. Yeah, and, and Will Fuller's a proven deep threat. Okay, that's fair. If you if you He's feel like they need it. So, but again, let me ask you this question. How does that fit what Baltimore does? Like, how does it, Will Fuller come in? Hollywood, who went deep all the time. How does Will Fuller coming in change what Baltimore is going to do and make you look at that wide receiver room and then say, oh, yeah, now they got somebody. You someone else there, Aaron. Rashad Bateman's in year two. There's no veteran in that room outside of Duvernay who returns kicks. There's no veteran in that receiving room. So so the veteran you want is Will Fuller, guy who gets suspended for PEDs, can never stay healthy, and hasn't done much in his own career. That's what you want? Yes, I want someone that can actually say that he started games in the NFL in that locker room. Well, that could be anybody. Like, that could be anybody off the list I was reading. That's my I mean, point. With, at least with, yeah, I mean, honestly, from the list that, I, I, that I'm looking at, if you're going that way, I wouldn't mind Will Fuller. I, when he's on the field, he's been a good player. But when he's on the field, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is still out there. And if he's not thinking about running away, that might be a type of guy <laughs> that – because because here's the thing, it doesn't have to be that deep threat. You can have that mid that mid guy, that ten to fifteen route uh, average depth Andrew. of target type guy. So I what I'm saying I know is, we, any we, guy we're you bring in is not going to be huge yeah. target volume, right? I understand. So, I'm with so, you on that. So why not let those young guys flourish and get the opportunity? Because it doesn't matter who's on that outside. We saw it when Sammy Watkins was there. Doesn't matter. Des Bryant came and played there. Jeremy, Madden. they're not throwing them the football. They are not going to get the ball. So what? Wide receiver at this point in their career is going to want to come to Baltimore and play in that offense. It's the same reason why Hollywood wanted to leave. He said, this offense didn't fit me. That There's one guy. It's Rashad Bateman on the outside. That's going to be the guy that gets the targets. It's Mark Andrews. The other guy on the other side, nobody cares, which is why they don't spend money on him. I have no problem with that. They Because they are focused on what their offense is doing. Yep. Now, should that offense change? Yes. We can debate that until the cows come home. Yeah. I do believe there should be somebody effective on that side. That but there's not going to be one. So if they hire, if they sign Will Fuller tomorrow, you know what I would do? I'd go. Oh. <laughs> I'd clip it and send it to you and be like, you yeah, mad, I told you. Yeah, but but if, if a different team, no, a different team got Will Fuller, <laughs> I might be more excited. If you told me Will Fuller went to Cleveland with Deshaun Watson, yeah. I'd get excited. If, if you told me Will Fuller went to Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, I'd get excited yeah. because that I know Will Fuller is going to fit there. I know they're going to use him in certain I don't know whether Lamar Jackson's going to use Will Fuller or not. Give him 23 then, targets a year. And then week six rolls around, he tears, he tears his ACL again, and he's done. It's, it doesn't oh. matter. It doesn't matter. All right. That does it for our AFC North training camp preview. We did the Bengals. We did the Browns. We did the Steelers. We did the Ravens wide receivers. That does it for another episode of the Sac City Podcast. We'll be back again tomorrow, live at 10 a.m. Eastern time, right here on YouTube, breaking down the nfc west and their training camp previews for your boy aj johnson and for my best friend aaron mukes and for the smoothest voice in sports casting dylan kearns i am me we will see you tomorrow he's out adios Thanks for listening to the Sac City Podcast. You made it this far, so you must have liked that show. If you did, go ahead and think of two people you can share this episode with. We can never have too many people in the city. So don't forget to hit that follow button. Sac City. Population. One more.